Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar. Oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Why? Because he's coming back soon. Have I got some good news for you. I was reading Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, and I believe we are right here in history. And of course, history is his. That's the Messiah's story. And here is the history. Here is his story. And here is where we are right at this moment in his story. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The glory of this latter house, that's us, shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. That means completeness. And what is going to cause completeness? There's only one thing that is going to cause completeness of God's Spirit, and that's the one new man. Because Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that the reason Jesus came was to break down the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. That middle wall of separation existed in temple days. The Gentile had to be remained in the court of the Gentiles, and he would lose his life if he went close to the Holy of Holies. But that middle wall that separated the Gentile, it's come down, and the two have come together. And remember that word shalom, which means completeness? The two have come together to form shalom, completeness. It's almost like a crossword puzzle. And some of the pieces of the puzzle are Jewish believers, and other pieces of the puzzle are Gentile believers. And when you put all the pieces together, you form the full dwelling place of God by His Spirit. The shalom of God by His Spirit. The completeness of His Holy Spirit. And that's what's about ready to happen. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. What do I see happening? I see limbs being restored. I see eyes that are blind, that are not even in the sockets, being restored. I see hospitals cleared out. I see the greatest, greatest move of God's Spirit in history— And guess who God trusts the most for this great move of his spirit? You. Because you and I have been born for such a time as this. And I believe this, it's now is what I'm talking about. Why do I believe it's now? Because last month I had my 72nd birthday. In my lifetime, I have never, ever 
seen such a dumbing down of the morality of America. And that's what I have to call it. And not just such a dumbing down of the morality of America, but it's happening so rapidly. I mean, it's not – you remember you've heard that story of the the, uh, frog swimming around under a light boil and the water is just boiling so slowly the frog can't even tell. And it eventually is cooked to death. Well – The frog is in the water now, and it's a high boil, and that's what's happening to the morality of America. We're literally having this dumbing down, but simultaneously, I've been a believer in Jesus now for 42 years, and I have never, ever seen such a dumbing down of Christianity. Who do you think's responsible for the dumbing down of of America's morality. Who do you think's responsible for the dumbing down uh, in the church? The devil. And that's why if God does not have the greater glory come right now, we're without any hope. But we have a great hope. Now, I want to tell you why I feel that the church is being dumbed down. We look like the world, we believers. We act like the world. We think like the world. Our messages from the pulpit, they're not about the blood of Jesus, the crucified life, the power of God, the walking in holiness. But it's a feel-good, positive thinking, grace without holiness gospel. And God is our sugar daddy. Well, God's about ready to change this. There is such little difference between the world and in Christianity, that the world can't even tell the difference. Well, we're getting ready where there will be a difference. The glory of God is going to be so manifest that on true Christians, you're going to be able to see the light. You're going to be able to remember the pictures of, uh, of saints, these ancient pictures you would see, and there'd be like a halo over their head. Well, it wasn't a halo. It was that was their best impression of printing what the glory of God looked like when it was top of on top of someone. Well, people are going to be able to see the glory of God upon you. It, it, it reminds me of I recently went into an Indian restaurant and, and I'm talking to a, a, an Indian waiter who's into gurus and Maharajis and he's talking to me about all this. And I say, well, you know, I have a Maharaji too. And he's bigger than your Maharaji. And a Maharaji, uh, you know, means a teacher. Uh, And so, of course, I'm talking to him about Jesus. And the more I tell him about my Maharaji, he says, I want your Maharaji. (laughs) And so I led him to the Lord. And then the manager shows up. And the manager, uh, I'm afraid he's going to get this guy in trouble. And I I don't want to get this waiter in trouble. Uh, And the manager just hangs around my table and hangs around my table. My wife finally gets up, excuses herself. She goes to the restroom. A few minutes later, she comes back from the from the restroom. And he's still there hanging around, hanging around. And I'm wondering myself, why are you hanging around? And he finally tells me, he says, I feel such peace when I'm standing in your presence. Well, I was flabbergasted 
This isn't a believer. This isn't a like-minded person. This is a Hindu, and he feels something greater than he has felt with all of his Maharajis in Hinduism. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And by the way, I led him to the Lord. This glory that is coming, it'll be greater than what was in Solomon's temple. And, and by the way, if you think that you're going to walk in this kind of glory and not walk in holiness, give me a break. It's not going to be glory. It'll be a burning fire, but not the kind that you want. So you've got to choose. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the living God. I want to talk with you about the two deadly sins. And these are deadly. And the church is rampant with these deadly sins. And God is going to make a distinction between true believers and phony believers. Between, do you remember the parable of the tares in the wheat? Well, the tares were like weeds. And the wheat was for the harvest. And they looked the same. But at the end, and, and this is what the Messiah said, let them grow together. Because if you pull out the weeds, you might pull out some of the wheat. So let them grow together. And there'll be a separation at the end. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. You just do what you consider is right. And so there's coming a separation. And I'm telling you something. It won't be because you're president of the United States and you say you're a Christian. It will be because, because the glory of God will be on you so strong that people will know. They'll see a difference in you. They'll feel a difference in you. They'll taste a difference in you. It will not be. Business as usual. So let's talk about these two deadly sins. Now, the worst of all is America has turned her back on Israel. Now, it's not too late. There's room for repentance. There's room for America. But the truth of the matter is, where in the Bible do you see America mentioned? I see people that try to think and try to say, well, I think America is here or there. It's not mentioned, which means God hasn't made a definitive decision as to the future of America. A lot of people say, oh, I'm so concerned about Israel. It reminds me when I was a young Jewish believer, I used to carry an attache case. Of course, I still carry an attache case, but I used to have a bumper sticker on it. It came from Psalm 122, verse 6, which says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. And a Jewish man was sitting next to me on a plane, and he said, Sid, aren't you a little nervous having a bumper sticker like that? There are a lot of people that would be very upset with you. I said, no, read it. It says, if I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I shall prosper because I love Jerusalem. So we're coming into a point right now where the America and the church must be straight on Israel. Tomorrow's broadcast, I'm going to get into that. But I am so pleased to make an announcement to you. We have our supernatural mentoring kit available now. 
you see, we're coming into this time where the glory will be there, but you have to know how to operate in God's glory. You have to be mentored. I wish I had been mentored when I was a young Jewish believer, but I'm going to make sure that you are mentored. If you go to our webpage, you'll get all the details. It's Sid Roth, that's my name, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot org, O-R-G, stands for organization, SidRoth.org. If you go to our webpage right now, you'll get all the facts and you will not have to say 20 years from now, wish I had been mentored. This is your moment. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Genesis 12.3 is still true today. I, God, will bless those who bless the Jewish people, and I, God, will curse those who curse them. So the first deadly sin is not understanding God's position on the Jew in Israel. The second deadly sin is turning your back on God. What do I mean by that? When you are not walking in holiness, you are turning your back on God. You see, God says, not me, without holiness, you you shall not see God. Well, are you interested in seeing God? Without holiness, you're not even going to see him. Now, there are other sins, of course, but we know these sins. We know God's position on homosexuality. We know God's position on homosexual marriage. We know God's position on killing children in the womb, otherwise known as child sacrifice, otherwise known as abortion. We hear about women's rights. We hear about women's choices. And we understand those positions. But where is the right of the innocent baby in the womb? Where is the choice of the innocent baby in the womb? I don't hear any mention of that baby. But... These are types of sins that cause judgment from God. And I I explained to you on an earlier broadcast, I had a dream several months ago in which I said out loud, I've never even thought this. To be candid with you, I have to tell you the secret of my heart. I, 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 I believe Jesus was coming in my lifetime, but I really wasn't sure. Well, I'm sure now. And why am I sure? Because Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. The the exact words is, he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. And he's in a hurry. Now, there is a single sin that is the tipping point for God's wrath. And the sin involves coming against the Jew in Israel. You say, Sid, but what about the rights of the Palestinian people? I have to tell you that I am very concerned about the suffering of this Palestinian people. But to be candid with you, I see them as pawns in the Muslim strategy to hijack Israel from God. The fate of America is contingent on America following God and standing up for Israel. 
Obadiah 115 in the New Living Translation says, the day of the Lord is near. Now, you know what the day of the Lord is. That's when it's over. That's when he's here. And I tell you, that is a true statement. The day of the Lord is near when I, the Lord, will judge all godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. Let me repeat that. These are not my words. These are God's words. As it is, as you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. Do you see why I talk about America? If we are a blessing to Israel, our greatest days are ahead of us. But if we are a curse to Israel, it will be done to us. We divide the land of Israel, America will be divided. And oh, wow. What a hot potato word I just said, division. I've never seen such division in my lifetime in America. There's a division of races. There's a division of political parties. Uh, there's a division of religion. There, there, the, the division, there's, there's a division of conservatives. There's a, 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 a division of liberals. There's division. Wherever you look, there is division. And this is what God says. God says, which means how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You see, where you don't see unity, you don't see God. There's division even on the most blessed word that I see in the New Testament, grace. There's a counterfeit grace, and there is an authentic grace. <laughs> Look, I believe in grace. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God's grace. But what concerns me is the counterfeit grace. Let's go back to Israel for a moment. In Joel chapter 3, verse 2, here is your tipping point for a nation, for a society, or for an individual. And you make sure, because look, you've made mistakes, you've repented, and you're clean. But this is the mistake you cannot make. This is the mistake America cannot make. Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I, this is God speaking. This is the tipping point. I will also gather all nations, and I will enter into judgment with them. And here is the single sin that is the tipping point for God to enter into judgment with a specific nation. On account of my people. Who's my people? Keep reading. On account of my people, my heritage, Israel whom they have scattered among the nations, they have divided up my land. So, the tipping point is anyone that says Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel. Anyone that divides up the land of Israel, you think you're dividing up the Jewish people's land? No. You think you're dividing up the Arab people's land? No. What does God say? You're dividing up my land. 
Who would have the audacity to steal land from God? God calls Israel my land. As I understand this, he has leased his land to the Jewish people. Now, if I was a good Jewish attorney, I'm Jewish, but I'm not an attorney. But if I was a good Jewish attorney uh, and I was interested in a piece of property, I'd like to see what kind of lease they have. I'd like to see how strong that lease is. So the terms of the lease were written by God in the Bible. You call yourself a child of God? Well, then follow what God says. Stop wearing your big cross and calling yourself a Christian if you're not going to follow what God says. Because without holiness, you will not see God. This, these are the terms of the lease. Psalm 105, verse 8 to 11, speaking about God. He remembers his covenant, how long? Forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, in case some of you don't understand what forever is, what an attorney God is, how brilliant he is. He says forever, and then he says a thousand generations. What? A covenant. Now, that's pretty strong. Covenant means the shedding of blood. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statue, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. So how long? Forever, a thousand generations, everlasting covenant, saying to you, that's to Israel, I will give the land of Canaan, that's the land of Israel, and how long is this lease of the property that God himself owns? The lease is forever, a thousand generations, everlasting covenant. And you say, well, wait a second, though. I know it's God, but maybe it's revocable. I'm glad you asked that. Romans chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 says, concerning the election, they, that's the Jewish people, are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Now, how would you like to uh, go into court and fight God? Fight a lease that is signed by God that's irrevocable for a thousand generations forever and an everlasting covenant? Uh, You see what I mean. It's a pretty good case. And I'll tell you something else. If you're wrong on Israel, you will go into deeper heresy. If you're wrong on Israel, you will not participate in the next great move of God's Spirit. If you're wrong on Israel, you're walking in the devil's territory, according to the words of the living God. We're going to mentor you step by step in every major area of the supernatural, and I want you to jot down my webpage. I'll give it to you in a moment. Get a pencil ready, because I want you to go to my webpage and look up our Supernatural Mentoring Kit, the School of the Supernatural. It's here. It's now. Why is it so important? Because the scripture God has given me this week to talk to you about is Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. In this place, I will give peace, shalom, completeness. The one new man is coming on the scene. 
and I, I'm, I'll talk about the one new man tomorrow. But there are two deadly sins that I don't want you to enter into. If the nation enters into these sins, the nation will be judged. If you enter into these two deadly sins, you will be judged. But if you enter into what God has for you, a thousand will come at your right hand, 10,000 enemies at your left hand, but they will not harm you. I pray for America to survive as the greatest country in the world. I pray that in this next election that there will be a president that will be against the dumbing down of America in morality and for being a friend to the Jew in Israel. Because if we do not, America will suffer. But you do not have to suffer. That's why I'm teaching you this this week. You see, without holiness, you will not see God. And I want you to see God. I mean, whatever happened to the fear of God? Whatever happened to repentance? The great deception is explained in Jude chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It's really talking about what I call the counterfeit grace message. Let me read this to you. Uh, Jude chapter 1, this is in the New Living, Living Translation, verse 4. Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. <laughs> you know what God calls these people? Ungodly. Verse 5. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Some people say, well, as long as I say a prayer with Billy Graham or someone like him, I can live like the world. Well, how come our example, how come our shadow, the Jewish people, were not able to do that? What makes you think that we can do that? We can't. It's not a license to, to sin. The grace message without repentance, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, those people that are moving into that. You will begin to first say, well, God paid the price for sin so I can sin. Then you'll move into uh, a, a ungodly revelation that there is no hell, then the next stage is you'll eventually believe everyone's going to be reconciled to God, even if they're sinners. Philippians 2.12 says Paul didn't feel that way. This is what Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Be careful then, Dear brothers, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, 
trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to the Messiah. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, get that? Not just grace, grace and truth came through Jesus the Messiah. There are some that would say, oh, it's just grace. No, it's grace and truth. And what is truth? Jesus tells us, my word is truth. Don't say you're a Christian and not follow God's word. Romans 6, 23 and verse 1 and 2 says, for the wages of sin is death. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And Romans 2.4 says, The goodness of God leads to repentance. We're living in an anything-goes society. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what do we see going on in society today? We see, and you know what happens just before society is about ready to be destroyed? Homosexuality comes in the forefront, becomes acceptable. Pornography is flooding Christian and non-Christian homes alike through the computer. I mean, it's insidious. There are demons that have never been released before that are released on planet Earth right now to hook Christians on pornography. I say to you what Paul said to Timothy, if you have a problem with this, run. Destroy your computer. I don't care how important your computer is. <laughs> the sins of abortion, sex without marriage, divorce. Uh, one out of two are having divorce today. Uh, movie Christians are actually watching movies about vampires and the paranormal. And I don't mean the supernatural God. I mean the mirror opposite of the supernatural of God. What is on TV it is, I, I mean, a few years ago, uh, they would the TV station would lose their license. Women that call themselves Christians are dressing like non-Christians. Do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize that you are advertising the last thing you want to advertise when you wear those revealing uh, dresses? Uh, People say, oh, I like these words. They happen to be curse words. Uh, Don't call yourself a Christian. How come from the same same mouth can't come uh, curse words and blessings? We're in an anything-goes Christianity mixture. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 in the New Living Translation says, Those who are not holy will not see God. Well, I want you not only to see God, I want you to experience him. I want you to have intimacy with him. The whole purpose of Christianity is not Christianity. The whole purpose of Christianity is a way for you to have intimacy with the living God. It wasn't for religion. It was for the sake of you having intimacy with the living God. This is the purpose. This is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose of your life. And out of that intimacy comes your assignment from God. Out of that intimacy comes hearing God's voice. Out of that intimacy comes... Every one of your needs met, no matter what happens in this world. 
And it's my heart's desire for you to have intimacy with God. And that's why this supernatural mentoring course has come about. We call it the Supernatural Mentoring Kit, in which you get special DVDs every month, in which you have study notes every month, in which you're connected with this ministry, in which you're going to have such blessings. I'll just tell you one thing. We stuck in in this, this kit, which is worth everything else put together. We're putting, you know, the, the, the Torah says, the Bible says, uh, to mount God's word on your doorpost. Well, and we Jewish people have what's called a mezuzah on our doorpost. And every time we walk in the house, we say, thank you, Lord, for protecting me when I left. Thank you for blessing my family. And every time we leave the house, that little mezuzah on the doorpost reminds us uh, to say, thank you, Lord. My family is blessed. I'm blessed when I'm walking out. And as a Bible believer, that's a pretty good reminder to have on your doorpost. Well, we created our own mezuzah. We put the same scriptures in it, Jewish people. People have put in on their homes for thousands of years that the Bible tells us to do. It's not a requirement. It's a blessing. And so, but we're going one step further. We're putting in millions of names of unsaved Jewish people in North America. And every time you walk in your house, you, you touch the mezuzah and you say, I believe it's on a microfiche and it's small. I believe that all of these Jewish people are going to come to know you. You're blessing the Jew. Do you realize what you're doing when you're blessing the Jew? You're walking into the blessings of God. Why? Because God says, I, God, will bless those who bless the Jewish people, and I, God, will curse those who curse them. And by you blessing the Jew, you're walking in all the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. Well, on tomorrow's broadcast, I'm going to explain the revelation of the one new man. But I want you to go to SidRoth.org and join Get immediately our Supernatural Mentoring Kit. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G for organization. SidRoth.org and get the mentoring kit yesterday. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. The only thing you're going to take to heaven with you is souls. If you participate with this ministry, you're taking souls to the kingdom. But you're not just to participate with us. We want to equip you to be able to move in signs and wonders and take so many souls to heaven with you. That's all you're taking. And you're concentrating your entire life on doing everything else except the one thing you're taking to heaven. And I'm going to tell you the key. The key is found in the Bible, the law of evangelism. Here's how it works. God so loved the whole world. Because he so loved the whole world, he started with one people group. He went to Abraham first, the father of the Jewish people. Because he loved the whole world, he planted a seed with a Jew, Abraham. Now, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But what does he say? I go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He planted a seed 
with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So you might say God the Father went to the Jew first to reach the world. Jesus the Son went to the Jew first to reach the world. Well, how about the great apostle to the Gentiles? Paul. To reach the Gentiles, what does he say? Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. You find Paul, he even gets so upset with my Jewish people, he says, almost a pox on you. <laughs> I don't want to even go to you. I'm going to the Gentiles. And so he moves into a house right next door to the synagogue. And what does he do? He reaches all the people in the synagogue. He knows when he goes to the Jew first, it opens up a supernatural door of evangelism to Gentiles bigger than had he gone to the Gentile first. That's called the law of evangelism. Now you must understand what Paul means in the one new man. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 22. Start with verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both, that's Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means completeness. So in order to be complete, we can't have just the Gentile believer and we can't have just the Jewish believer. We have to have both. Now, verse 22, I get so excited because now that you've understood that the word shalom means completeness, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace or completeness. And verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for We've already said completeness. It's not in there, but it's implied by the verse 15, in whom you also are being built together for a complete dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So what is God's Word telling us? A Jewish believer is incomplete without a Gentile believer. A Gentile believer is incomplete without a Jewish believer. It's not jealousy. I meet many Gentile believers that say, oh, I wish I was Jewish. No, you are wonderfully and fearfully made for good works. Before the world even began, you were chosen for these good works. And if God made you a male, stay a male. If God made you a Gentile, stay a Gentile. It's when you change what God has made you that you get into religion. Don't get into religion. Get into relationship with the living God. Now, what is the job assignment of the Jew? John 4.22 tells us the job of the Jew is to reach the Gentile. It says salvation is of the Jews. Acts 13.4, New Living Translation. Paul said, For the Lord gave us this command when he said, 
I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. The job of the Jew is to reach the Gentile. And in the end times, even Zechariah chapter 8, verse 33 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from every language, the word Gentile means the nations, so ten people from the Gentiles shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Jewish people are going to be raised up to reach tens of thousands of millions of Gentiles to, for the Messiah. But what's the job of the Gentile believer? Even more important. Why do I say even more important? Because Romans 11.11 11 says what the job of the Gentile is. To provoke the Jewish people to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentile. So, why were you saved? To provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. How are you going to reach the Jewish people? Through apologetics? Good luck. As my mother used to say, goodbye and good luck. <laughs> You're not going to reach too many Jewish people. But the book of Corinthians tells us how the Jew requires a sign. And it's as if there's a spiritual DNA in Jewish people and a special spiritual DNA in Gentile people. And when the two co-mingle together, we have the full dwelling place of God by his spirit. But what's at stake? Only the salvation of the world. Why do I say that? Let me give you a revelation of Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 13, which talks about the greatest revival the world has ever seen. The world has never seen this particular revival that it describes. Let me read this to you, starting at verse 11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Now, we know what the tabernacle of David is, but in the Hebrew, the word tabernacle means house or family. So in that day, I will raise up the family of David. That's the Jewish people. And this is what's going to happen when the Gentile does their job of provoking the Jew to jealousy to form one new man. It says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. What is he saying here? He's saying there's going to be such a harvest that you will not be able to harvest all the grapes on the vine until the next season when you're plowing up the field again, because there is coming such a harvest, and I proclaim to you that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I, God, will give completeness. So whether you know it or not, if you can just look up those scriptures, if you can just study those scriptures, you're going to find out that we are living in the most exciting time in the history of planet Earth. And God has called you to the kingdom for such a 
time as this. And it's time for you to stop being a spectator. It's the last act of the last play. It's time for you to get into the play. You're being called right now. Uh, What are you going to do about it? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do about it. You're going to go to our brand new mentoring kit on our internet site and look at it. Just look at it. Do me that one courtesy because I was never mentored. I want to make sure that there isn't one person that's not mentored. Oh, I was mentored over many, many years, but you don't have decades to be mentored. And when I say I was mentored, I did it the hard way. But we have put it all together for you. The best of the best teachers are going to mentor you in every area of the supernatural. But more important than that, as you get your supernatural mentoring kit, you are investing in Jewish ministry. Why is that so important? Because when the Jew is reached, then the Jew and Gentile arm and arm are equipped to reach because the Jew is equipped to reach the Gentile. The Gentile is equipped to reach the Jew. When you merge the two together, you reach the whole world. It's so simple and you need help to get confused. So go to my webpage, sidroth.org, and look up our Supernatural Mentoring Kit, and then don't just be a hearer of this word. Go do it. Become a participant in the greatest revival in history. SidRoth.org. S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. We're living at the time of Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 6 and 7. Let me read this to you. Now, let me ask you a question. Do men give birth to babies? Then why do they stand there, ashen-faced, hands pressed against their sides, like a woman in labor? In other words, the prophet is saying, I see a man in such agony. It's as the same agony that I see in a woman when she's giving birth to a child. In all of history, there has never been such a time of terror, Jeremiah says. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel. In other words, this is what is known as Jacob's trouble. This is when the devil is going to try to stop the birth of the one new man. This is when the devil is trying to stamp out the Jewish people. And we're on the verge of this right now. And we have a door open to us to evangelize the Jew. And woe is me if we don't evangelize the Jew at this set time to favor Zion. Because here we are in the greatest country in the world. And we have freedom of speech and freedom of religion and such a large Jewish population. And we are equipped to reach them. But I want you to enter into the harvest. I have my friend Hank Kuhneman on the telephone uh, because, Hank, I have to tell you this publicly, uh, that your prophetic words have been the most accurate of anyone I've ever interviewed. Uh, For instance, uh, I'm sure you remember this, uh, but the last time I interviewed you, you prophesied I would have state-of-the-art television equipment, my own studio. In fact, those were your exact words that you stated. You're going to have your own studio, uh, and you talked about a number of of other things, and they've all come to pass. Uh, but I am so concerned about this next election, because if God's man does not get in, I, 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 I see terrific problems in the United States. Actually, I see problems if either man wins. But if God's choice does not get in, uh, 
we're, we're going to have a mess. However, I have to put a caveat. Those that know their God, whatever occurs, are going to be victorious, and they will walk in supernatural favor of God. And the scripture that I've been speaking about all this week is Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, and I see it, I feel it, I taste it. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. In this place, I will give peace. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means in this place, I will give completeness. What is God showing you about this current election? I think, Sid, first of all, we have to understand that where we're at in this nation is we're in a time of incredible spiritual warfare. And the reason why this warfare has come at this time in this nation, around the time, even uh, leading up to uh, the time of our election, is because the enemy is trying to bring a confusion, a deception. He's trying to mesmerize the people of this nation to bring them into confusion. Here's why. Because connected to this particular time with America and even Israel is the enemy wanting to bring forth what the Lord said in some previous prophecies that he gave me. He's trying to raise up four horns of demonic power and these four horns are trying to come, like in the days of Zechariah, and in those days they scattered Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel, but they're trying to do the same to the United States and bring four expressions of demonic power that has to do with coming against the families, the marriages, the health, uh, the economy, and, and even uh, concerning how we treat Israel. So it's not just that we're going into uh, a booth, we're actually contending with demonic powers that want to bring this nation into chaos. You had a word in reference to uh, uh, the United States in Israel. Tell me some of the words that God has shown you. I think one of the key things right now, in fact, when I was on your program a while ago, uh, I prophesied about how God wants to bring a friend of Israel uh, from the White House. That is what the Lord's desire is, and we always have to remember that is what we have to contend for. What does God want? What is His desire? What is His will? And I remember that uh, I had a vision, and I think I shared it on one of your programs, where the current administration, a wind came into the Oval Office, spun the leader around, threw him back in his chair, he fell off his chair, and when that happened, the Israeli flag began to go back and forth, and he would not grab the Israeli flag on a post uh, to stabilize it. I believe that is a prophetic warning to this nation that we must have those, any administration, we must have those that will stand and bless Israel. If we don't, it's going to release things upon this nation that the enemy would seek to, to, to you know, devour us, bring us into confusion. It's interesting, Sid, because right now the Spirit of the Lord has awakened, uh, awakened me in the middle of the night, and he said things to me, that the leader of Israel, Netanyahu, has wrestled in his sleep like Jacob. And the reason this has happened, because Israel, the nation, is wrestling. And God wants to mark them and bless them like he did with Jacob. You see, I understand why there's so much warfare. This is not just a, a window for America. It's a window also for Israel. And as it goes with Israel, it also goes with this nation. 
And I think that's where a lot of leaders have failed to understand the divine connection of both of them. Uh, you know what I find interesting, Hank, and I, you probably observed this, is uh, when you look at the spelling of the word Jerusalem, in the middle is USA. And our country has been historically the greatest friend of the Jew. We've had so much freedom as Jewish people in this country, more than any other country in the world, uh, and, and has been a friend of Israel, and Israel has been a friend uh, of the United States. But what, what is going to happen if we this. I turn? The key is, Sid, is the enemy is recognizing, he always recognizes, for whatever reason, spiritual and natural birthing and movement in the spirit. Before Israel, the nation was birthed. Obviously, there was a war, and even Hitler was in power. And it's interesting because the devil and these ancient spirits are recognizing again that there is a birthing, a blessing, a movement, you could say, a spiritual movement, the glory of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God. It's trying to emerge upon Israel and America and, and the enemy really wants to bring us into war. But what we have to also understand is, as in the days before Israel, the nation was birthed, what the enemy tried to use to eliminate them, God used to bless them. And so what I see, and this is important because, listen, I, I'm, I'm under the conviction of this. If God can come to a man named Abram, cut a covenant with him, he was a pagan. He didn't even, he worshiped the sun. If he could become uh, covenanted with God, covenanted with his purpose, guess what it did? It brought blessing to the nation. We have to look as we uh, look upon America and in the season that we're in, we have to look for those that are going to stand with Israel, those that are going to cut covenant with God. And, and, and it's not an issue of the pagan. It's the issue of can they connect to God and have their heart change to do what Abraham did, and that is bring a blessing to the nation. See, with the four horns of power in Zechariah and what the Lord prophesied, what I shared earlier here on this, this broadcast, there's also four anointings. And the Lord has been speaking that he wants to bring four anointings upon this land that will affect marriage and family, affect the economy, uh, bring health reform, uh, and bring honor to Israel. We must contend for those anointings. But here's the problem, Sid. We have a choice. We can be like Eutychus. In Acts chapter 20, he was sitting in a third-story window. A window speaks of opportunity. It was a third story because it represents the third heaven where the throne room is, where we're seated uh, in heavenly places. We cannot fall asleep like Eutychus. We must rise up across the earth and even in this nation. We must bless Israel. We must pray for Israel. We must pray for this demonic veil to be removed from this nation so that they can clearly see what God wants. And I feel like it's like this. We're in Acts 12. There was uh, James the Apostle, a governing power that was beheaded. And now the church gets smart. Okay, we're having a situation in this governing power. We must pray because Peter was taken captive. We must not allow this nation or Israel to be taken captive by demonic spirits who want to uh, confuse and really control and bring evil. The church in Acts 12 prayed, and as a result, there was a release of the right governing power. And that's what the Lord is trying to say to this nation. 
We must pray without ceasing so that the right alignment of leaders, of governing power, can come into manifestation. Now, you said something before we went on the air that I want you to repeat, that uh, God is going to give us the president we want. Explain what you meant. Here's what I, here's the thing. Saul is always in Scripture the evidence that even though God may desire certain things, there is sometimes where the Lord will give the people what they want where it becomes the test of their heart. It becomes a, 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 re, a revealing of their hearts. Just like after the great victory over Pharaoh and his armies, God had to take Israel to the waters of Marah. It was a reflection to reveal their heart, the water of bitterness. And what we cannot have happen in this nation is for us now have to have to face ourselves, that we aren't standing for, for moral. Uh, we're not standing for the sanctity of marriage. We're not standing with Israel. The worst thing that we can have happen is that we go against what God wants and now be faced with ourselves. And so, so we're going to end up with this next election with either a Saul or a David. And the choice is, what do we want? What's in our heart? I've, I've ministered to many leaders of nations, but it comes down to the will of the people, especially in elections. God always reveals his prophetic truth through his prophets, but the word of the Lord is conditional. And what happens is the Lord prophesies his will, his intent, his desires, but the people have to go in and they have to choose. They have to, you know. and, and, and let me let me urge you, let me urge you to vote, but vote according to God's word, not to someone's charisma. No matter what happens in this country— you can walk in divine favor. And that's why we've created the brand new Supernatural Mentoring Kit, where monthly we are going to disciple you so you can be all that God's called you to be. No longer will you be sitting in the back of a church, invisible, sitting on your hands. God is calling you front and center for the end-time move of His Spirit. And I want you to go on my webpage right now, go to that uh, section on the Supernatural Mentoring Kit, read about it, and Act. Go to SidRoth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.SidRoth.org. That's www.SIDROTH dot O-R-G. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.